Hey, everybody. I'm Tim Muma. Thanks for checking out localjobnetwork.com radio, your place for experts in the world of employment and careers. Now, this particular podcast, Employment Notebook, is where we focus on important topics that are often vital in the workplace itself. And one area that includes is the discussion on who really are the leaders on a team or even in an organization. Today's guest, Scott Friend, spent seven years in the Navy in a number of roles. He's also currently a project manager at a major construction group. And you can also find his thoughts and insight at his website, Business of Relationships. And you can find that at thebizofrelationships.com. And his experiences have led him to believe that everyone has the potential to be a leader. Scott, thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity, Tim. So, of course, leadership, always something people want to talk about, or at least the idea of a leader. And uh, we'd like to start off asking our guests, how do you personally define what a leader is? I'd say it's somebody who really takes the initiative to make a change and kind of lead the charge in doing so. And, and these leaders are the ones who raise up other leaders below them in the process. I like that. It's a nice, succinct way to look at it. Now, as I mentioned off the front there, you did spend time in the service in the Navy. What kind of things did you learn there about leadership in particular? One of the most important things I learned was really leading from the front and uh, never asking those below me to do something I wouldn't do myself. And as I went up in rank, it, it kind of reinforced you to not forget what it's like to follow, follow really before you were a leader, uh, kind of mm. like moving up the ladder in a corporate structure, really. Sure. Now, why is it then that you would argue, though, that everyone is a leader? Or to be more clear, I suppose, that everyone has the potential to be a leader? Because I will say, when I brought the subject up, I had a number of colleagues like, mm, I don't know if that's true. I don't know about that. What, w- what would you sort of argue in, in, in sort of that vein? I got some pushback myself as well. But I, I would say some people were born very eccentric, uh, you know, very exciting people and very influential. And we're, we're kind of naturally drawn to this. But with those people that just haven't been given the opportunity to take charge of anything. Mm-hmm. They've really got to find what their passion is. And I think once we find out what, you know, the passion is and what drives us, that's when the natural leadership values and us all come out. So the key to this is really finding what that passion is. And just because you're an introvert doesn't mean you can't be a leader. I mean, look at Bill Gates. He's not the most exciting speaker, but he's influenced right. so many, not only through his company, but through his philanthropy. And uh, Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. And I think we can adapt that to your passion and kind of be the change you want to see in the leadership of what you believe in. I think it's a good point. You mentioned someone like Bill Gates and it's somebody who, you know, oftentimes we see these leaders when they've already developed and, and sort of found a way to be that voice. Yeah. We don't see the front end where they might have had struggles or didn't think they were a leader. And that's the question I wanted to get to is what are some of the reasons that people think to themselves or even outwardly that, you know, I'm really not a leader. I don't have that capability. Why do they think that? I think that there seems to be a kind of a common misconception that it's a title or position that automatically means uh, you're a leader, but, you know, we're not given a title or people to manage, and then automatically we assume that we aren't necessarily a leader in our organization. Mm-hmm. Now, I can't tell you specifics of why certain individuals don't feel that they're necessarily a leader, but what I can tell you is that those who don't think that they are probably just haven't been given the chance to be, which ingrains kind of this lie into their mind that they aren't leaders at all. Right. Now, something I had seen that you had written uh, talked about cases where people don't even realize they are leaders. They are actually influencing people or, uh, you know, circumstances, but they just don't even see it for one reason or another. What are some of those examples you could give to the listeners that, hey, maybe some of them are in those positions? Well, as I wrote in the article, I was actually really surprised to hear uh, that a friend of mine who's a teacher thinking she wasn't a leader 
And I was kind of taken back by this as teachers hold future lives in their hands and are able to grow our future leaders starting at a very young age. And additionally, mm-hmm. I've heard from people that are counselors, immigration officials, and sometimes even parents, which really surprised me. I mean, you name it, and I've probably heard it. And that was kind of my main reason behind the article you read, kind of an encouragement to everyone to realize that no matter where they are or what position or title they may hold, they also hold the authority to take charge of what their passion is and lead others who share that same passion. Sure. Yeah, I was amazed as well, the idea that uh, you know, a teacher not recognizing that. And maybe it's just a mindset thing, as you mentioned, that people are just not in that same perspective. On the flip side, people sometimes shy away from even taking that step or, or accepting that role. Why do you think that is? I think it's been said that it's lonely at the top, and mm. I'll agree with that sometimes, and this is true. Um, and as a leader, and I'll, I'll specifically use a managerial position for this example, but uh, we've got to make some pretty hard decisions that affect people's lives. And nobody wants to be the person to tell an employee that they've been let go, or even sometimes that they have to work extra hours if they're not paid for it. Right. And if, you know, if they do want to be that kind of person, I can assure you that's not somebody I would want to work under. And uh, in addition to this, I think some people get scared about additional responsibility and having to learn new skills. And I think it, it's a comfort zone issue. And once we're comfortable and at the top, if you will, it's kind of difficult to force ourselves to keep growing. And I think this was a lot easier to do in times before technology was growing so rapidly. And now you see top-tier managers going back to school at night, not just for executive MBAs, but to learn how to run things like Microsoft Excel or AutoCAD and other programs based on uh, your profession. And I'll say that leadership can be quite daunting. And from my recent personal experience, I can tell you that it was extremely stressful going from being on the management team of a $38 million project to being on the management team of an almost $700 million project. <laughs> and I've, I've had a lot more management and responsibility thrown on my plate. And being a husband and having a new daughter, it was a lot to take on. But these challenges are what leaders look for, and it's what excites us. It's important, really, for those who, who shy away from these opportunities to note that we just got to keep growing. And even if not for personal reasons, very practically, just to stay up to date and how fast not only technology is growing, but how rapidly the business world is growing and going international. And companies nowadays, they're looking for you to have plans for continued growth, whether that be through certifications or advanced degrees. And I've heard it said that if I knew everything about my industry, I should be retiring in a few days. And that pretty much (laughs) sums up how we should be approaching our career progress. I think uh, some excellent points in there for people to to keep in mind, uh, as you said, just the the way things work nowadays, uh, being a leader is, uh, is a lot more than what it might have been 20 years ago. Let's move on to a, maybe a little more specific side of it, and that's the idea of influence. That, that comes up a lot in terms of talking about leadership. What do you see as influence really being, and why is it important when it comes to the idea of leadership? Well, that's a good question, and I'd have to say that influence is really the ability not only to get others to follow you and support you, but actually want to follow and support you whether that be mm-hmm. in your personal goals or those of your company. And then in terms of recognizing that influence, is that something that's simple to do? Can you, can you give people examples of, of how to spot that? Because, uh, I don't know, there might be a time where it is happening, and again, they don't even realize it. Yeah, I think that's a really hard thing to quantify, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's sort of a trial and error type of thing. And uh, I know there were times in my early leadership career where nobody wanted to follow me, and I, I couldn't understand it first, but I really had to grow and understand what it was that motivated people. And mm. uh, in, in a post I wrote last week, I actually discussed the issue of motivating people, and I think if a leader wants to be influential, he or she really has to get to know who they're leading. And mm. one thing that plays a huge role in your influence is the trust that you have between you and those you lead. And when you're in a position of leadership, you're not just managing numbers and bodies, 
you're really managing and affecting lives. And I think we as leaders have a duty to make sure that our employees go home not only safe but healthy each day to ensure that they have a well-balanced life outside of the company. And this is a really good thing to learn. And through that, you'll build your influence by building trust with those around you. And that trust leads to a following. Very well put, I have to say there, Scott. Uh, Trust as well, talking about that being a major part of all of this. On the other side, you know, some people hear influence and for whatever reason, they turn to the thoughts of, you know, manipulation or some other sort of negative influence that, uh, again, for whatever reason, that's what they think of when they hear that term. What would your response be to them? Yeah, I'd say that that sort of response might have been brought about by someone who could have been hurt by a leader in the past, maybe, or have seen or heard cases of horrendous management. Uh, Mm -hmm. Influence should not be thought of as a dirty word, though. I believe influence and manipulation are two completely different things. A great book by Simon Sinek, Start With Why, uh, gives a good example of this. And if you think of large corporations who manipulate their customers into buying expensive items by offering a rebate, uh, however, really, how many of those people do you think really turn into rebate? Right. And I know I haven't in the past, but mm-hmm. this is just one of many examples. Influences is something that, that companies like Apple or Southwest and others like them have had that really changed the landscape of an entire industry. And I wasn't manipulated into buying my iPhone or my Mac. I was influenced by many different factors. And nobody held a gun to my head and forced my wife and I to buy an Apple TV. <laughs> I wasn't manipulated into coming on board with my current company. I was influenced by their core values and what they really believed in. And, and I followed suit and I really believed in the same things. And leaders that have gone before me ha- have what been what inspired me to be where I am today. And sure, those who make decisions on the top might be able to kind of manipulate where my career takes me in some way, but it's my personal mentors and peers who influence me to keep growing and pursuing the level of achievement I want to reach in my vocation. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the idea of, of growing, especially, and uh, sort of as a complement to the idea of leadership. And again, this is what you get to with some of the, the work that you do with Business of Relationships. Again, you can find uh, Scott's work at bizofrelationships.com. And that's the idea of building relationships as a leader, or maybe again with someone with influence. Are you able to give us some examples of maybe some of the actions and words that fit the bill when you're talking about trying to build those relationships? Because uh, again, that's a a part of this that it sure seems like you're passionate about. Yeah, I think uh, to really build that influence, as I ever mentioned, definitely somebody that's, that's willing to go ahead of the pack and try new things. I mean, Marine Corps officers are a great example of this. They're typically the first ones in the battle leading their Marines on the front lines. I mean, Talk about influence running into enemy fire. Hmm. Leading by example is such an important thing to do as a leader if you want to have influence. Nobody likes to play the game of do as I say and not as I do. Right. Well, it's interesting. I I saw an image the other day that somebody sent out and it was showing the difference between a boss and a leader. And it had had three workers pulling, basically pulling the boss who was giving orders. And then the, the leader one is the boss, quote unquote. He was in the front leading the way. So exactly what you're talking about there, I think, uh, uh, fits, fits well. Now, why are relationships important and valuable when it comes to the workplace and, uh, again, with maybe some of your colleagues or your peers or even direct reports in, in some cases? Because I know a lot of people that say, hey, I just want to go to work, get the job done and, and go home. I'm not really worried about relationships. But why are they valuable? Why are they important? I'd say it's kind of twofold. I mean, on a practical note, unless you're working from home, these are the people that you're going to be spending on an average about a quarter of your entire week with if you're lucky enough to work only 40 hours a week. Right. There's really no reason not to build relationships with those you'll see day in and day out. And additionally, who knows when you'll need to call on a friend of a friend who may have had a contact at a vendor whose product you need quickly to get your project back on track. 
mean, in my industry, I've seen it dozens of times, relationships really do get things done. And when people know you on a personal level, they're more likely to go out on a limb for you when you need assistance. Hmm. And the other side of that is from a health standpoint, we, we kind of need these relationships. We need it for our personal health, mentally and physically. We need someone when we're down to help us back up. We, when those we know are down and we come in and act in generosity, it gives us a nice, nice big rush of this neurological, you know, these chemicals that happen in our brain. And without anyone to lean on or even someone to talk about our issues with, we get stressed and we start producing cortisol and that inhibits all these good things from happening in our body and our heart rate increases. And this can do some serious damage to your immune system. And you could say that your relationships are kind of the cheapest way to keep you both mentally and physically healthy. And uh, in one article I wrote, I, I said, kind of skip the Zoloft and the St. John's work, build some good <laughs> relationships. I like that. that uh, maybe you do some marketing that way. I think, I mean, they wouldn't like that very much, but it might do something for you. <laughs> we look at this, obviously, as we try to give insight into helping individuals on whatever topic we're discussing. And of course, I'm talking about leadership here. What about the common mistakes people make? Maybe things that they, they believe are helping or they believe are good to see in leaders. What would you say are the common mistakes people might make when it comes to leadership? I, I think the biggest thing is when our pride gets in the way, uh, more yeah. often than not, when we're kind of elevated to a position of leadership, it's hard not to want to flex our muscles and make it known that we're in charge. But when there's a mistake in leadership, it's usually with someone who forgot what it was like to follow before they were given the opportunity to lead. And another mistake I would say is that it could be as equal, if not more detrimental, is not training and mentoring those below you. And sometimes this is out of a sense of fear that they'll take our job or something else. And I really can't personally name one time I've seen this happen, but that could just be my industry. To be quite practical, training those below me with what I know kind of makes my job a heck of a lot easier. Sure. Oh, some great, uh, some great insight there. Scott, we're getting low on time, but I do want to give you the floor at the end to offer up our listeners a, a final message. Um, you know, again, something maybe we've already discussed. You want to reiterate maybe an area that we haven't touched on, but uh, again, just giving you the opportunity to give our listeners a final takeaway today. Yeah, sure. I'd, I'd say look for the opportunity to lead in what you have a passion in. And this could be a local volunteering group, a committee at your company, anything really. Finding your passion is really the key. Once that's found, leading in that area will come pretty easily. You have to learn from those who've gone before you, but your leadership skills will kind of naturally grow as you find something you really believe in. All right. Very well put. That will wrap things up for this episode of Employment Notebook. And we have been speaking today with Scott Friend. Once again, he spent uh, seven years in the Navy, so definitely an interesting perspective there, as well as being a project manager. And you can find more of his thoughts and insight at thebizofrelationships.com. That's where, again, uh, you can find some of his takes on the world of leadership and relationships as well. Scott, thanks again for joining us, giving us some of your perspective. We do appreciate it today. Yeah, thank you, Tim. And as always, if you're looking to get in touch with us, go ahead and send an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. If you have any ideas on future shows you'd like to hear about, you can also find us on Twitter at the LJN. We'd love to hear from you there as well. For everyone here at LJN Radio, I'm Tim Muma. Take care, everybody. (laughs) 